friends, welcome to the Preacher Chick Podcast. I am Stacy, the Preacher Chick, and today I'm back. I took a little bit of a break from um, the pod for the holidays after finishing reading the gospel, the the Bible through the year, um, and have just kind of been praying about the direction to go and where to launch um, this year at, and the focus to to bring. And I just wanted to do a quick check-in. So let's get to it. Today is not going to be long. I just wanted to share a couple of thoughts. And first, I want to know, how's it going with you and reading your Bible in 2023? Are you carrying through the momentum that you had in 2022? And do you need suggestions? Do you need direction? Um, I am here to help. I value the word of God that much that I don't want you to lose um, the direction you're going. A couple hints, a couple tips. Just pick something. (laughs) Pick a book to start in. Pick a devotional plan to read. Um, I heard somebody recently complain about devotionals and some of their points were very fair in that usually devotionals are heavy on commentary and light on scripture. Um, but if it gets you moving, um, then, then pick a devotional. Uh, that being said, I have recently discovered a devotional that is heavy on scripture and um, thorough in commentary. Um, it is called Missionary God, Missionary Bible by um, Dick Brogdon, and it is a chronological plan of reading the Bible, um, reading about three to four chapters a day. And then Dick Brogdon, who serves as a missionary, uh, he he shares on those passages how we see the missional heart of God and in the in the whole story of of the unified scriptures that lead us to Jesus. And so um, I'm not normally a fan of chronologically reading the Bible. Um, And it's going to sound silly, but it's just kind of the way it jumps around. Also, that means if you're chronologically reading the Bible and you do like I do, where you start reading that um, at the first of the year, then right off the bat, I mean, within the first week, you're in the book of Job. And um, I love the book of Job, but it's also heavy. Um, but man, reading the book of Job using this devotional has really changed my focus and perspective on, on, a, on a book of scripture that I already love and find a lot of wisdom in. Um, it really, it, it's just been encouraging and challenging to me. So um, I will link how you can order that in the show notes. The other thing is this. Find people to listen to. I mean, I it blows my mind. Um, I even just recently had somebody who told me that they love listening. Um, and I am overwhelmed by that, to be honest, to the point that I don't even know what to say other than um, I feel like this podcast is um, an act of obedience to something the Lord placed on my heart. And so that's why I do it. And the fact that one person listens um, blows my mind and also just tells me that even if it's for the one, um, God's going to do something and use it. So here I am. I enjoy listening to several preachers regularly, but I also, um, and I've talked about them a little bit. I also have found that I really, really enjoy um, following this Catholic priest by the name of Father Joe Krupp. 
Um, his Facebook page, I believe, is Father, but it's abbreviated FR, Joe Krupp, K-R-U-P-P. Um, and then on YouTube and um, podcast platforms, um, you can find him under Joe in Black Ministries. Anyway, um, last week, he, he, okay, so he does three episodes for his show a week, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And typically he calls them quantum catechesis. Um, he basically takes people through um, the fundamentals of the Catholic faith, why we believe what we believe, but he's also a wealth of, of historical knowledge, not just of the church, but <clears throat> just history in general. And he's hysterical and unconventional. And um, as somebody who is a spirit-filled evangelical, I there is something in my spirit that resonates when he speaks. And I, I am, I get the impression that he is also a spirit-filled believer. And I think that's really cool. But last week he was talking about um, the shift from the season of Advent and Epiphany to the season of ordinary time on the church calendar. I grew up, like I said, evangelical, uh, grew up Assemblies of God. We did not do, I didn't even know there was a thing called the church calendar. I thought the church calendar was what was in the bulletin every Sunday. Do you know what I mean? Um, but there is like an actual church calendar if you follow liturgy. And um, right now, currently, we are in what is considered ordinary time. Um, next month, I think it's the 20th of February, we go into Lent and then you go into Eastertide. And, um, and so, um, and then you go to Pentecost and then you go back to ordinary time and then you get to Advent and, um, you know, that's the way it goes, but I love it. And it just gives me, I, I have found a lot of, there's beauty in those things and in the feasts of the church and such like that. So Father Joe last week on, on one or two of his episodes, I can't remember if it was multiple or if it was just the one, cause I watched all of them and they're kind of running together in my head. But in one of them, I think it was on the 11th. Um, he's talking about multiple things, but one of them, he talks about Jesus, like just the life of Jesus. And he goes into this explanation of, I think it was about the feast of tabernacles, maybe. Anyway, but he gets into this this co the the topic of of Herod, and um, you know the evil things Herod did when the the Magi it had to have been that era because it was talking about Epiphany um, when the Magi when the wise men the the kings were on their journey to find Jesus and they meet Herod and Herod you know, wants them to give him the information about where they find the the child, because at this time we have to believe, based on the information we have according to the Bible and history, that the wise men never made it to the manger. By the time they found Jesus, he would have been a toddler, one to, one to three years old, most likely, which was why Herod had all boys under the age of two killed. Um, and whenever, because he, you know, he felt like his his uh, authority, his kingship was being threatened. But one of the things that that Father Joe said that, and I wrote it down because it just really hit me, is that Herod asserts power by killing and destroying. Jesus is our king because he gives his power away and he dies. We don't 
as people, as humans, don't like to think about that kind of a concept. Because the reality is to accept that Jesus gives his power away and dies and thinking that he calls his people to lay down their lives, to pick up his cross means that we have to be willing to do the same. And we don't like that thought. The other thing that he said was, you know, people in the church often say, you know, when it comes to things of the world, politics, or, you know, this righteous indignation sort of mindset that, well, Jesus raged, Jesus flipped tables. And I love what Father Joe said, because I have heard so many people tell me this. And honestly, as somebody who's not confrontational, um, doesn't necessarily run away from conflict, but definitely doesn't like conflict. Um, I've never understood that because people usually are using it in a context that is just so far removed from what Jesus did. And Father Joe hit on this last week when he said that in a 33-year life, Jesus raged once that we know of. And his rage was towards people who were exploiting religion for selfish gain. He did not rage at prostitutes. He did not rage at tax collectors. He didn't even rage at the people killing him. And listen to this. He washed feet that were going to run away from him. He washed the feet and gave himself to a man he knew had sold him for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus shows his power by dying. And the world we live in today is so informed. And we have become so informed by the world. Listen to this, that though even those who consider themselves quite traditional and quite, quote, in it, don't get that they're supposed to die, not win. We have become so focused on winning arguments and proving our points and showing other people that they're wrong, that we're missing the part of loving and dying to self. We're missing that. And that's kind of weighing on me, um, moving into whatever this year holds. Um, I've talked before that I, for the last, um, probably what, seven years, um, have prayed for the Lord to give me a word for the year. Now, some people think that's really weird and new agey and mysticism, and um, it's not. For me, it's, Lord, you have plans for my year. And so that I don't grow weary or discouraged, so that I don't get in my own head, give me a word to cling to that is from you that will keep me anchored in my in my heart knowledge connecting to my head knowledge that you're in control and this year he gave it to me early he gave it to me back in october um <laughs> wild um but my word this year is expectation and whenever i feel the lord giving me a word i immediately before i say that's my word i immediately begin to do biblical and scriptural research on the definition or the context, the, the contextualization that that word has been used in, in scripture. And, um, when I began to look up expectation, the verse that, that jumped out at me is in, um, Ephesians that God desires to do far greater than we could ever ask or imagine expectation. 
I know that there are people who have been wounded, who are exhausted from the um, life stuff that they've walked through. Um, they've been disillusioned by things and expectation means being let down. So I don't have expectations because I don't want to have to face the feeling of being let down again. Can I challenge you on that? That if your expectation is in God, even when something doesn't go the way you think it could, should, or would, your expectation is still that he's in control. The expectation is still that he knows what's best. And the expectation is that, as scripture tells us, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And all things in that work together so that those who are watching our lives, those who are involved in our communities and our circles of influence, see God's hand at work. It's not always about us having tremendous blessings, although that's part of it, I think, a lot of times. It's about people seeing us cling to our faith and our hope, no matter what. That's the expectation. Um, I don't know what that means for me this year. God's stirring something in me right now that I know even I'm not even ready to talk about. Um, and it's come through multiple um, words that the Lord, I believe, has given to people that I love and trust for me. And they've blindsided me in the sense that I didn't see it coming, uh -huh, which is funny with expectation, right? But they don't scare me. It doesn't scream in my in my spirit, this is not true, run away. It actually does the opposite and says it's time to lean in. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what the day holds for you. I don't know if you woke up this morning and where you're at, it's like here where it's gloomy and rainy, or if you woke up somewhere where it's sunny, or if you woke up in an emotional <laughs> rainy situation, whatever that looks like. But what I do know is that God is the God of hope and God is the God of um, everything. And his truth is the truth. And it reminds us that as long as we're alive, breath in our lungs, the beating of our heart and our chest, blood pumping through our veins, we're not done. And that means he's not done. And this is when coming back to the word just really helps us because it grounds us. And it reminds us not just of who he is, but it reminds us of whose we are and that in him, we are sons and daughters of God. Bought with a great price for a great purpose. No mistakes, no accidents, only intentionality. And no matter what he calls us to do, no matter what it looks like, the goal of it all is to build the kingdom for his glory and his honor and to cross the finish line gloriously exhausted. So that's all I have today. Just a little bit of an encouragement, just a little bit of a challenge to us to, to be in the word still and to, and to think about our situation in perspective of who God is. And remember, 
remember that he's leading us and guiding us. And he's not running away from us. So hold on to him, friends. I'll see you next time.